Psalm 148, reading all 14 verses, listen now to the reading of God's holy word. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you stars of light. Praise Him, you heavens of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling His word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and flying fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And He has exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to Him. Praise the Lord. Seek the Lord's blessing on this His holy word. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for this psalm that we are privileged to consider this morning. And Lord, we pray especially that as we consider this passage that You, Your Spirit, would be truly working in hearts. And that we would have hearts and ears and minds that are open, ready to hear, ready to listen to the praise of your glorious name all around us and to the witness of that. And so we ask, O Lord, that as your word goes forth in the power of the Spirit, that our hearts will be open to receive it, to hear it, and that it would bear that great fruit within us all to the praise and glory of your holy name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, the last five psalms of the Psalter comprise the final doxology that caps the entire book of Psalms. And a doxology, remember, is simply a call to praise God and acknowledge His His glory. And though there are numerous other doxologies found uh, throughout the the book of Psalms, these final five really reach a a crescendo that's, that's most fitting for this glorious book of praise that the Lord has blessed us with. But as we've already seen with the first two, each of these final psalms highlights something particular for which God is being praised. 
In Psalm 146, God was praised as our one sure and certain hope. And then uh, last time we considered in Psalm 147 that God was praised for being a most gracious caretaker of, of all that He's created, especially a caretaker of His people who truly cares for His people. Well, here in Psalm 148, the Lord is specifically praised because He is the creator of all things. He is the creator of heaven and earth and all that they contain. And indeed, God has left His mark, so to speak, on all that He's created so that everything, everything that God has created is purposed and designed to praise and declare His glory. And so as we consider Psalm 148, we'll see... uh, a variety of, of poetic structures and features that, that really help to draw out and emphasize this important truth. <clears throat> God the Lord, our God, our Creator, is indeed the one true living God. And there is no other. For all creation, that is, even every square inch of it, Nothing is excluded. All creation, all the reality around us that is seen and unseen glorifies and magnifies the name of the Lord. One of the first poetic features that we want to note is how this psalm closely reflects the flow of the creation week in in Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, we see that God created all things out of nothing in the space of six days by the word of His power. Right? God said, let there be, and there was. Right? That's the repeated phrase that we find throughout Genesis 1. And of course, over the, the course of the first three days of creation, God created time with, with the light and the darkness uh, distinction. And then He proceeded uh, to create the various realms of His creation, uh, heaven and earth. And then on the final three days of creation, God created the various bodies or beings and creatures who would inhabit these realms. Like the sun, the moon, and the stars of heaven. And then the variety of creatures to dwell on the earth. The birds of the air, the fish and the creatures of the sea, the cattle and the creeping things on the earth. And then finally, late on the sixth day, God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Psalm 148 will take us through each of these realms that God has created and and also a sampling of the bodies and beings to show us that all creation is called to glorify Him. And so the psalmist begins with the realm of heaven. In verse 1, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise to God emanates from the heavens because God created them. But note how in verse 2, the angels and the heavenly host are mentioned. And then in verse 3, the sun, moon, and stars. And then in verse 4, praise Him, you heaven of heavens, and you waters above the heavens. The psalmist is here really distinguishing what we may call the, the three realms or the three layers of heaven. 
Right? The waters above the heavens would be, would be the clouds and the atmosphere. So the lower heavens, what we call the sky. The sun, the moon, and the stars are in space. That's the, the second realm of heaven. And then the heaven of heavens in verse 4 refers to what the Apostle Paul called in, in 2 Corinthians 12, the third heaven. And it's the highest height of heaven to which there may very well be no limit because it is the place of God's glorious throne from which He rules and He reigns over all that He's created. From each of these separate heavenly realms, the praise of God flows forth. Not just from the realms themselves, but from the beings and the bodies who reside there. And we begin then at the the highest height. The heaven of heavens. In this realm, the chief proclaimers of God's praise and glory are, verse 2, all His angels, all His hosts. The angels, we know, are the servants and the messengers of the Lord. And and the hosts are all the angels gathered together. Indeed, the the great army of the Lord that was made visible to uh, Elisha's servant. And even that most excellent grand choir that announced uh, the birth of Jesus to the shepherds who were watching their flocks by night. It includes the various classes of angels, the the seraphim and the cherubim who minister before the throne of God, constantly singing and declaring, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. It includes the angels who are sent as messengers to tell His people of wonderful things, like the angel Michael or the angel Gabriel. And it includes the angels who are sent as ministering servants to give aid to God's people in their time of need. All these angels and the entire heavenly hosts from the heaven of heavens declare the glory of God. But so too do the bodies created to inhabit the second level of the heavens. Right? The sun, the moon, the stars, and we can certainly add here uh, the other planets. Uh, these bodies have been created uh, to rule the day and the night skies, to give light upon the earth and to determine time and the seasons. They're innumerable multitude, far more than infinite man can count. All these declare the glory of God. And even the lowest level of the heavens inhabited by the clouds or the waters above the heavens, the atmosphere that determines the weather, bringing rain upon the earth so plants and creatures are provided for. And the sky, whether it's clear blue, that, that, that clear, a glorious blue of the sky or, or the glorious colors of the sun rising or setting that are displayed in the sky. All these declare the glory of God. But how? How are they praising the Lord? Verses four, uh, 5 and 6. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. The Lord created them. And again, He designed them with a purpose 
to show forth His power and glory. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. The heavens declare and they reveal the wisdom of God and how they're designed and and set in place with such precision. So that, for example, if the sun were, were just a tiny bit closer to the earth, the earth would be burned up. And yet if the sun were were just a little bit further away, well, we'd all be frozen. God has perfectly placed the distance and even set the earth on a precise axis in order to preserve and sustain the life that He created on it. This is the wisdom and the power of God on display. David declares, as we sang earlier in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. And then he goes on to describe how they utter forth speech and they declare this glory by doing what they've been created to do. And so, for example, even just the sun rising and following its path across the sky and then setting in the evening, uh, rises to, to provide light, and then it sets in the evening to provide darkness over the earth in order that, again, that life might be sustained. And the sun does that, just doing what it does. Well, it's declaring the glory of God. And again, when we witness a spectacular sunrise or, or sunset, with, with, and there you see those brilliant colors of, of purple and red and orange and, and yellow. Like sometimes like the, the sky is on fire. We stand in awe. Beloved God, that sense of awe is, is really us acknowledging the message that's being sent by the heavens. The Lord, the Creator, is to be glorified. And so the heavens themselves and their various bodies and beings continually utter forth this declaration. God, the Creator, is to be praised. He is to receive all glory and honor. He is holy, holy, holy. He is most wise. He is all-powerful. And He is sovereign. He is most good to sustain all that He's created. Beloved of God, this declaration of the heavens is a continual witness to us and to all mankind that the Lord God, our Creator, is to be praised and glorified. Do you hear the message. When you, when you see the sun setting in the sky, again, filling up with the brilliant colors, or, or you view the innumerable stars that fill the night sky, do you hear the witness of the heavens calling out glory to God, our Creator? Unfortunately, as we know, many don't hear. Indeed, they refuse to hear. As Paul mentions Romans 1, they suppress the truth of God's revelation in the heavens, and they worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator. In fact, uh, uh, many are, are tempted to, to worship the angels, right? They, they worship the messengers of God, 
Or they, they worship uh, the sun and the moon or some distant star and, and look to the stars to guide and direct their lives. But the psalmist reveals the foolishness of this. See, they're just God's creations, even as we are. Why would you bow yourself down before the creation? Even the very creation that is pointing you toward the Creator. And so from the heavens, praise to the Lord booms forth. And so the psalm begins with the heavens, right? Even the heaven of heavens, at the highest height of heaven, where the angels of the Lord serve and minister in His presence continually. And then from that high and lofty point, the psalmist suddenly and quickly plunges us down, down, down to the lowest depths of the earth. In verse 7, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures, and all the depths. Now this is another poetic feature that intends really to, to kind of make us gasp. Right at the, at the sudden drop. You know, you go on one of those, uh, you know, a roller coaster or something, and you're high up and then it just drops. And, and your stomach kind of goes up and you gasp. And that's the, the intent here, that we gasp. But, you know, we're, we're way up here. And then we're down, down low into the depths of the sea. From the throne room of the Lord in the third heaven to the deepest, darkest depths of the sea. And even there, the praise of God is uttered forth. But then vote, note in verse 9, how the praise of God begins to climb again out of the depths of the sea to the highest mountains and all hills of the earth. Almost as if, as if it's reaching back up to the heavens again. Right? So, so try to picture this. The praise and the glory of God from the highest heights of heaven all the way down to the deepest depths of the earth. And then climbing up to the highest peaks of the earth as if to reply in response to the heavens. All praise and glory be to God our Creator. And what do you think the angels in heaven and the sun and the moon and the stars do in response? Well, they just send that praise booming down once again to the deepest depths of the earth. And there it goes, back and forth, back and forth, a volley of praise between the highest heights of heaven and the lowest depths of the earth. Do you hear it? And indeed, it's not just the earth. That is, it's not just the realm of the earth and the sea and and the objects like the mountains, the hills. Indeed, Jesus said that even the rocks would cry out in praise to Him if God had commanded it. It's not just these things that praise the Lord. But also verse 9, the fruitful trees and all cedars. Fruit-bearing trees that provide food for creatures and and man and and cedars, which are the tallest trees on earth. And and you think about uh, the great sequoias uh, out in the West. And I I often imagine, wonder if they're similar to the great cedars of Lebanon that the the Scriptures speak of, right? These huge, massive trees of, of great height and girth. 
and provided wood to build numerous ancient cities, including Jerusalem. Their magnificence declares the glory of God. And so too do the vast variety of creatures. And here we find another poetic feature in in the great contrast of size. From the largest of the great sea creatures of the deep, like the blue whale, or or as Scripture uh, speaks of of the great Leviathan, which was a a great beast of the sea, all the way down to the smallest of the creeping things on the earth, like bugs and other insects. And of course, everything else in between. The beasts of the field, all cattle and flying fowl. All these different creatures and their variation from one another. Different colors, different designs, different functions, and different purposes. They all cry out praise to their wise and intelligent creator. And that's their declaration. That God alone is to be worshipped and praised. The creatures praise Him. Because of His tender care for them. For they neither sow nor reap, yet the Lord provides them with food and protection. Each one has been uniquely designed to survive in particular habitats. So that if you would remove uh, one creature from its original habitat, habitat, it would struggle to survive if it survived at all. And there's a variety of creatures that have unique defense mechanisms in order to protect them from particular predators that that are prone to them in that habitat. There's different species have different ways of communicating with one another. And their bodies, inside and out, are, are designed particularly for the very environment in which God had placed them. Each part functions with precision and a perfect design. And when you consider all this, it's really difficult to imagine how those who study these creatures, how they can't hear the praise that's being declared. They suppress it. And they attribute the creativity and wise design to some random chance developments over long periods of time. All acknowledgement of the Creator is shut down. And their hearts grow hard against the ever-present chorus of praise that's lifted up from the creation and the creatures. And even when this praise is declared in very dramatic ways, their ears remain deaf. For not only does the earth pour forth praise and glory to God through the creatures, the plants and the seas, the mountains and the hills, but even the elements are under the command and direction of the Creator. Verse 8, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling His word. These elements and forces of nature, which truly have many purposes in helping to sustain the creation, well, they're also mighty and powerful forces that can bring great destruction. Lightning. Lightning from the heavens uh, strikes a drought-stricken forest and suddenly flames consume hundreds of thousands of acres of land. And yet after the fire has been extinguished, you see new life 
springing forth because of how God designed the trees to drop these acorns that uh, need to be uh, heated up and cracked open in order to, to sprout the seed forth. And you have hail that comes and, and destroys the crops and those who depend upon them. Blizzards and floods, tornadoes and hurricanes, all can bring great death and, and destruction. And yet, in doing this, that is, in doing what these forces of nature are designed to do, they fulfill His Word. They fulfill the plan and purpose of the Creator. Now, we may struggle to understand what that purpose is, right? Especially when death and destruction come. But truly, it's a plan that we know will ultimately glorify the Lord. Mercy and judgment are often seen in such powerful displays of destruction. Mercy and how God spares some from destruction. Right? And you see this especially maybe with uh, tornadoes and how you know, a tornado... Uh, causes this wide path of destruction and yet you know one house is destroyed and yet the neighbor across the street the house isn't touched at all there's mercy granted in that particular situation to that to those particular people for whatever god's plan and purpose is or we consider how such disasters are often used as opportunities for love and generosity to be shown to neighbors. Even neighbors who maybe were once enemies and now all suffering and trying to support and encourage one another, they come together. And that's God working His mercy through this instrument of destruction. Or even opportunities for the church in those places to, to then rise up to aid those in need to be a great witness of the gospel. And even if lives are taken, if it's the life of a believer in Christ, the well, life being taken is really truly the greatest mercy for that individual as they're now removed from the sin, the pain, and the suffering of this world. And they're brought immediately into the presence of the glory of their God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is mercy. But in the very same disaster, judgment also comes. Judgment comes to the wicked. Judgment comes to those who suppress the truth of God, to those who rebelled against God, His law, and His Son, Jesus. Judgment comes by the decree of a most just and holy God. And then for those who witness such things, for those who, who are unharmed by these disasters and storms, who, who see from the distance or who watch on the news, well, a very clear message is being declared by these powerful and destructive forces. And it's simply this. God, the Creator, is 
He is holy. And He is righteous. And He is just. And He is powerful. And not to be trifled with. Therefore, He ought to be acknowledged. He ought to be praised. He ought to be given His due by all that He's created. And friends, this message booms forth with such loudness. In fact, it even screams to the hard-hearted. Give praise to God. Call upon the name of the Lord in faith. Acknowledge Him. And repent, or you will likewise perish. This is the message the earth, its creatures, and its powerful forces declare. All the while fulfilling God's word by being a witness to mankind of the existence of the Creator. This leads us to the final section of the psalm. But instead of continuing kind of a downward movement from the highest heights to the lowest depths, the final verses really stretch back up to the very top of all creation, even above the angels and the holy host, to the pinnacle of God's creation, mankind. Yes, even this most special creation. The only being created in the image of God. The one whom God created and set to have dominion over all the earth and all the creatures of the earth. Yes, even mankind was created for the purpose of praising the Lord and glorifying Him. In Genesis 1.26, then the Lord said, or God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The uniqueness of man's creation sets him apart from, from all the rest of creation because he bears the image of God which means that He was created with knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. It means that that the law of God was written upon His heart, and He alone, above all other creatures, was given a conscience and the ability to reason and to know right from wrong. And though we know this image of God and man was marred because of man's disobedience and fall into sin, Well, it still remains in all of mankind, which then gives each and every single person intrinsic dignity and value because they're made and created in the image of God. And because of this unique creation and design graciously bestowed upon mankind, well, then above all creation, mankind has even more reason to praise the Lord and glorify Him. All mankind, all people must acknowledge and praise Him. And this all includes everyone. As the psalmist uses another poetic feature of contrasting here, extremes that encompasses every single human being. No one are excused, none are left out. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children. And so in other words, regardless of power, position, or status, regardless of gender or age, all people, all mankind, owe God praise and glory. Now that, at least, was 
the created purpose and design. And, and though it still holds, and indeed it truly does still hold, we know because of man's sinful rebellion against God, well, he rejects this creative purpose. And he hardens his heart, suppressing the truth. Suppress, suppressing the truth from within? Right? His own conscience, as Paul talks about in, in Romans to his own conscience, bearing witness against him? As well as suppressing the truth that bellows from the rest of creation all around him. Everything the Lord has created declares the glory of God. And through His gracious, sustaining of creation, God provides for all mankind and cares for Him, even causing the rain to fall equally upon the just and the unjust, so that there's really no distinction in God's providential care for mankind. And, and yet, He still will not acknowledge His Creator. Though mankind should join in this chorus with all creation as is called in verse 13. Right? Let them praise the name of the Lord for His name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Right? All mankind should join with the rest of all creation in that, that glorious chorus. And yet He continues to dull His ears and harden His heart against all these witnesses. Does anyone here Does anyone hear the the witness of God's creation testifying to the truth that the Creator ought to be acknowledged and praised? Is anyone listening? Anyone? Indeed. Verse 14. And He has exalted the horn of His people, the praise of all His saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to Him, praise the Lord. God's people hear it. His saints, His holy ones, His own special people who are called by His name, those chosen before the foundation of the world and and called into covenant with Him, brought near by His grace. They hear this declaration. You see, because the created world could only testify to man that there is a God. Even one God who alone is the creator of all things. And even though this witness continued, even really getting louder after a man's fall into sin, it was really inefficient to penetrate the hard heart of man. And so a special revelation of God was needed. His Word. A special revelation to reveal man's sinful condition and His need for a Savior and a Deliverer. And so it was to God's people Israel that this revelation first came. The testimony and the covenants, the law and the ordinances of God came to the children of Israel as God's chosen people. And though they, they did praise Him and acknowledged Him, well, we see throughout their history, they struggled. In power and might, God delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And yet how quickly they turned to worship the golden calf and then complain throughout the the wilderness wanderings. And then God gave them His law so that they might better know how to love and serve Him. He gave them the land promised to their fathers. He even established the throne of David, their greatest king. And over time, they forgot the Lord who blessed them 
and he dwelt in their midst. And they again turned to idolatry and immorality, following the wicked deeds of the nations all around them. God sent them then into exile, that they might learn that He is their God and and that they truly are His people. And, And He preserved a faithful remnant and brought them back, remaining faithful to the promise that He had made to them. But their hearts, again, grew cold. Would they listen again to the witness of creation? Would they listen to the witness and testimony of God's word through the prophets? Look at verse 14. He has exalted the horn of his people. The horn was typically a a symbol of strength, victory, and, and salvation. And so would they then listen if the Lord exalted a great horn in their midst and secured for them even a greater salvation, even a salvation from their sins? Would they listen? Zechariah, the the father of John the Baptist, prophesied after John's birth of the coming of this great horn of salvation in Luke chapter 1, verse 68. For He has visited and redeemed His people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Well, that horn was the very Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of God come in the flesh. And though many of the Jews even rejected this final and and more perfect revelation of God, even to the point where they, they put Him to death, nailing Him to a cross, yet there would be many who would believe on Him. And indeed, those who believed on Him would be saved and delivered from their sins and have secured for them eternal life in His glorious presence. And friends, this not only for the Jews but also for the Gentiles. For people like us, born outside of the covenant promises, and yet now, in and through Jesus Christ and the gospel that He accomplished for undeserving sinners, all those who believe on Him are brought near by the grace of God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, do you hear it? Do you hear the call to praise God booming from creation, coming at you from from all sides? Do you hear not only the voice of all creation praising the Lord, but do you hear His voice? That is the voice of the Creator calling you through the gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you hear the good news that there's hope for the sinner And that hard hearts can be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That in Christ alone is salvation and the forgiveness of sins. Do you hear it? Today, friends, if you hear His voice, if you hear the gospel call, if you hear the voice of all creation declaring the glory and praise of God, do not harden your hearts. Because today is the day of salvation. Hear it. Believe it. And then join in that glorious chorus with all of creation, testifying not only that God the Lord is the creator of heaven and earth and all that they contain, 
but faithfully declare to all who have ears to hear that Jesus Christ alone is Savior, Lord, and King of all creation to the glory of God alone. Let's pray. O gracious God in heaven, we do praise You and thank You, O Lord, for Your Word. We thank You for the chorus of praise all around us that you that you bless us with each and every day when we when we get up in the morning we look out the window we see the sun shining we see uh, the, the the glory of of what you've created all around us and then we look to your word and we see that glorious blessings that you've bestowed upon us through Christ Jesus we thank you O God for enabling us by your grace to hear this chorus of praise. And we know that there are many around us who, who are deaf to it, who, who suppress the truth and exchange it for the lie. They would rather serve and worship the creature rather than the creator. But God, we know because you tell us that your judgment is coming, that the days are growing short. We never know when life will end, which may come even before your Son returns in glory and power as a judge of all the earth. So Father, we pray that you would help us who, who can hear. You've enabled by your grace to hear that you would help us to, to declare, to join that chorus and to share the gospel with those around us. To declare its truth. And yes, we know and understand that there will be many who will reject it, who will harden their hearts even more against it, who might even lash out against us and seek to persecute us. But there will also be others whom you have set apart from before the foundation of the world who are waiting for the gospel to come and they don't even know it. But we pray that you would direct us to those and that we would declare they would hear it and that they too would join with us in that glorious chorus of praise. And yet we acknowledge that even those who who suppress the truth even to the very end, even to the, the bitterness of their death, we know that on the last great day when Jesus returns, that they too will be compelled then to fall before the Savior and the King, the Lord Jesus Christ, and to worship Him and to acknowledge Him, and to give You all glory and honor and praise. Father, it is so much better to do that now than to be compelled to do it on that day and then face the judgment. Father, we pray for Your grace and Your mercy. We pray that You would continue to strengthen us, that you would help us, our congregation, to be a, a beacon of light in this community for this very purpose. And we ask, Father, that especially you would impress these truths upon each of our own hearts, that each of us would truly hear 
the praise all around us and the call to praise you and to glorify your name. We pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.